we're in this series uh, called Relationship Goals. And if you're new uh, to social media uh, and you've lived under a rock for the past few years, uh, it's based on a hashtag, and it's, and it's hashtag Relationship Goals. For those of you over the age of 40, a hashtag, we used to call it the pound sign. Come on, somebody. So that, just in case you're wondering where that, went, where that went wrong, it used to be the pound sign. I literally, I saw the other day, someone was giving out a number, like a, like a, a gate code, and, and they said, you know, the gate, you know, one, two, three, four, and they actually used the word hash instead of pound because the person they were talking to didn't know, literally didn't know, like, I'm looking for a pound sign, LB, I don't know, there's no pound on this keypad. Because hashtags all they knew, and and so a hashtag on social media is something you can click on. You can and and a group of the photos or posts that uh, have that particular uh, tag to them, you can see them all at one time. And and really in in today's culture, that's kind of the world that we live in. Everybody, and if you're if you're in your twenties and thirties, and maybe even your forties, or you're younger than that today, I'm not I'm not here to talk against that culture or what's wrong with that, that's not productive or helpful. But I will tell you this right in the very beginning. It's amazing to me when you, when, you, when you look at something like relationship goals. That's what people say, you know, when they see somebody they want, they see a relationship they want, they see a, an influencer who makes hundreds of thousands of dollars to post half-nude pictures of themselves in posed positions. I thought that would get better, amen, than that. And they say, these are the relationship, you know, these, that's my relationship goals. And you don't know anything about them. You just think, I want what they want. I, that's relationship goals. Like, that's who I really want to be. I want that. But if you're honest, and I sat you down, and I said, tell me what that is that you want. No one can really answer what the that is that you say you want. And a goal. Can I get a good amen in that? Like if you say, what can, can you define? You know, I just want love. And I want long walks on the beach. And I want photo shoots. And I want my love muffin in his pajamas. And on our way to our pottery barn house. And I want to slow dance by the fire like they do in the pictures. It's relationship goals. And what you don't know is that's all posed and fake, everybody. Let me give you another hashtag. Write this down. This is not a political post. It's hashtag fake news is what I'm trying to tell you. It's all fake. They posed for that. Love Muffin don't look like that. Love Muffin don't have a Pottery Barn comforter every time. If you click on the picture, they're trying to get you to buy the Pottery Barn comforter that paid them to pose in that picture. Man, I got more excited than I thought I would about that. And I'm thankful today that you're here because I want this church to be a people that craves something more than fake. And I'm, I, matter of fact, I'm kind of on a mission for it. I, I want you to crave something different, and I want you to crave something special. And that's what this series is really all about. It's not about relationship goals of fake people and fake accounts and fake things that, that aren't achievable and that are posed and picture perfect. It's really about you finding real relationships that work in the real world. Can I get a good amen? That's what we built this whole church on, by the way, is, is real. And I've met, I was actually, I, I, I sort of have experience uh, in my religious upbringing with what, uh, what I now look back on and just see, it was just kind of, it was real shallow. You know what I mean? It was 100 miles wide and about an inch deep. You know what I'm trying to say? It was just, 
it worked on Sunday, but it didn't work on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. It just, as long as it worked. And, and, and when we started City Hills, one of the things that, that I want this to be is not a fake religious gathering. I want it to be a deep, spiritual, vibrant, passionate, life-changing church where you really can grow in your relationship with God. And it's real. Can I get a good amen? So you can post your picture of hashtag Romans, but if you're not loving your wife and you're not being faithful and you're not really practicing what this book says, I don't really care how much hashtag goals you have. Is that okay, everybody? I want you to be real. And, and over the next four weeks, I want to help some real people wherever you are. And this series, I told you in the beginning, it's for everybody. It's for people who are dating, people who are single, people who are engaged. You've been married for decades or newly married. I want to give you some hope that relationships can work. Would you write that down? It's not on the screen, but, but I want you to write it down, that relationships can work. Because, because we're in this culture that tells you that it's just not capable. The average married age has raised to above 30 now. Some of that is because we've raised a whole generation of people scared to miss out on what's next. So they're scared to commit to what's now. And you'll miss out on God's best because you've held out for some picture-perfect Instagram profile that isn't real to begin with. And you'll tell yourself, well, this is not good enough. And you'll pick apart what's, what God has brought into your life so that you can wait for some fictional character that doesn't really exist anyway. And some of that is because we've delayed maturity. It's actually a psychological term about delaying maturity. And, and we've, we've sort of pushed off growing up. You know what I mean? And if today you're in your mid-30s living in your mom's basement, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, but you should feel bad all by yourself. <laughs> I, I want you to grow up. In if you're old enough to date and talk about relationships and have a partner, you're old enough to mature and ask God, what do you really want from my relationship? Is that okay, everybody? If you're old enough to talk about it, you're old enough to think about it, then you're old enough to go to God and say, God, what do you want what's best for me? We want what's best. Our marriage want what's, what we, we want what's best. And, and I want to give you hope that it can work. And so we sort of, we, you know, we delay maturity and, and, and you believe, well, I was raised in a house that, you know, the marriage didn't work and my parents split up or, or my grandparents split up. And so now I don't think it's going to work in our marriage or this is just kind of what we have and and I don't want you to buy into that. I'm going to go ahead and tell you right in the first, I think culture's lying to you about what works and what doesn't work. As a matter of fact, if you do it their way, it's almost guaranteed not to work. If you'll do it God's way, it works every single time. Can I get a better amen than that? God's way is always right. And you can have relationship goals that are real and that work. And you got to have goals. you got to have somewhere. matter of fact, the Bible says it like this in Proverbs 29. It says, where you don't have goals or vision... Things start to die in your life. People perish. Your marriage will perish. Your relationship goes by the wayside. One translation says where there is no vision that people cast off restraint. Do you know that, that most times there are failures in relationships and broken trust simply because you don't have a vision for the future? Do you know how, how solid your relationships can be in whatever relationship you're talking about if you have a goal for it, a, a vision. You've got to get a clear picture so that your present can produce the future that you know God has for you. You've got to get a clear picture of where you want to go. And I, I preach about vision to you all the time. 
in your spiritual life and other areas of your life. Matter of fact, we just come out of a, of a very you know, spiritually intense season of getting vision for 2020 and asking God what He wants us to take back in our lives. But the same thing's true in your relationship. If you're single here today or you're dating here today, you don't have a vision of what you want a future to be like. You won't prepare now for then. Can I get a good amen? Now, I've performed a lot of weddings, and, and, and i got to be honest with you. Now, this is I'm, I'm, I have some weddings coming up this year, so I'm not talking to you, but... <laughs> But, but most people aren't ready for marriage, and they don't know they're not ready. How many of you have been married over 10 years, and you would say, I didn't know what I didn't know? Come on, somebody. Like, I didn't know what this was really going to be. I thought I knew. I thought I had a, a but I didn't know. I, and, and, and sort of we get in this wedding, we get in this, this wedding, and, and we say things like this. I require you. I say this. I require you to promise to love cherish her, to honor and stand by her, to respect her at all times, to put God's will and her will before your own and to be true to her in all things until death do you part. And I've never had a person go, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. Every, without fail, and I, however many, dozens and dozens and dozens of weddings I have officiated, without fail fail they just weep and they say I do I do I do I Bobby take you Alejandro Rosa Maria Santo Domingo it's Texas it's it's possible to be my wedded wife to have and to hold and we just make all these promises better or worse richer or poor sickness and in health love and courage share my dreams with to be your best friend I'll be loyal to you and everything till God separates us. I've never had a person, not one, at a wedding go, wait, 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 wait. I cannot do all of those promises. <laughs> you, I cannot do all of that because everybody says I do. Everybody gets to the altar and says I do. Everybody says I do. And mostly with tears in your eyes. You know why? Listen close. It's because you feel the emotion of the moment. You lose, write this in your notes, again, not on the screen. You lose your mind when you're in love. <laughs> we get to the altar and we don't engage our minds, we engage our emotions. And I love you, Alejandro. And I love you, Bobby. And I love love. <laughs> and I love this flowers and I love this dress my mama put on a credit card. Oh, that's real. I, and I love this. I just love the emotion of it. We have a song. I love our song. It's our song. We have a song. We both like dogs. Can you believe? She's not a cat person. She's a dog person. We both love dogs. It must be love. My favorite color is blue. His eyes are blue. God brought us together. We lose our minds when we're in love. Love is all we need. Look in my eyes. Love is not all you need. Apparently love is not all you need. Because I've never met someone who doesn't have love down. It's the respect, honor, cherish, richer, poorer, sickness, health. That's the stuff we have problems with. 
And six months down the road, you said, I said I love you for richer or poor, but I didn't know we would actually get poorer than we were when we started. I did not know you had $50,000 in student loans and a credit store of 10. I mean, I love you, but I don't like where, where we are. And now our marriage has a problem that really isn't a marriage problem. It was single people getting married who weren't prepared to keep the promises that they were making. I'm going to make a statement that you're going to have to chew on. And don't email me about it. If you don't agree with it, email aubrey at cityhillstx.com. But commitment is overrated. Preparation is underrated. And I've met people who say, well, we're just going to stay committed. And I, and I agree. I, you, you, you need to. Everybody ought to. I'm not giving you license to not stay committed, especially when you make a vow to God. Matter of fact, in a couple of weeks... We're going to talk about making a covenant vow to God. You didn't just make a promise. You made a covenant with God and your spouse. So I'm not, I'm not giving you an easy way out. But what if you took the same approach before you made the promise in the preparation? What, often I meet people who overcommit and consistently underdeliver in their relationships. And you've overlooked this principle. Write this in your notes. That promises are no substitute for preparation. Well, I promised to love you. I promised to honor you. I promised to respect you. But there are no subs promises are no substitute for preparing for honor and preparing for respect and preparing a budget. Come on, somebody. And preparing for three bad kids and preparing for living with somebody and life outside of my mama and daddy's house and it's just you can't promise your way past preparation is that okay everybody you can't promise your way past it and I've met married couples and maybe you're here today who feel like the promises were enough but you aren't willing to work and prepare some goals some real vision in your life some real we got to get this on the same page together we gotta, we got to take a vision weekend together, just us, and really work on this. I, 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 we really have to get back to, I know we made promises to one another, and we'll stay committed, but we could prepare for the next 20 years instead of just promise for the next 20 years. We could prepare for the end of our marriage together than we do just promise it away it, 70, 80 years old and you look at each other and you don't even recognize who you are or how this relationship lasted or what, what if you prepared for. What, how, how, how are we going to do this? What does it look like to grow old together? What does it look like for our kids to leave and us to still like one another? What does it look like for our kids to go to an SEC school? I'm just saying. And, and for us to still date and be happy. And you got to have vision. you got to have goals for it. Are you still there? Say amen. Let me give you a word for all the single people. If you're single today, would you raise your hand? If you're single, however you're single, keep your hands up. Look around. This is what you're working with. Uh, write this down if you're single. Don't commit to a person yet. Commit to a process. I've met so many people who commit to the person and not the process. And the process is what will sustain you when the person fails you. 
the process of preparation is what, will, what God will use to prepare your heart when the person lets you. By the, by the way, that's not just for single people. That's good for every, every relationship you have. If you're, if, if you're in business today and you have employees, commit to the process and not the person. Don't commit to the person yet. Commit to the process yet. Because Proverbs 14 says it like this. The wise man says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. In other words, there's a process. The wisdom of the prudent is that I have a process here. Prudent in Hebrew is the person who thinks ahead. Their ways are their behavior. In other words, I'm thinking about their behavior. How many of you know that patterns matter more than promises? Let me say that again. You didn't catch it. Patterns count for more when you're single than promises. All the single people in the room, listen to me. If the pattern of their life is debt, then if I promise to get out of debt when we get married, but the pattern doesn't match my promise, trust the pattern, not the promise. If the pattern is anger and, and losing their temper and not able, but they promise it's going to be different when we get married, I'm just stressed out, I'm just, I'm just having a tough time, trust the pattern and not the promise. Because the wise, the wisdom of the prudent is to look at the pattern and go, okay, what's, what's the pattern in this life? What I always tell single couples this is engaged couples, if you want to know what it's going to look like, if you want to know how the house is going to look, go look at their bedroom without them in it, by the way. If you want to know how they're going to spend money after you're married, look for their checkbook at, before you get married. If they don't have a checkbook or a register somewhere online or an app somewhere, Run! If they call the bank three times a day to check their balance, I'm, I'm right where some of y'all live right now. You, you, you need to trust the pattern and not the promise. Can I get a good amen, everybody? Well, he cheated on me twice while we were together, but I, he was just going through a lot. It was a big trend. Oh, really? Trust the pattern and not the promise. There's a pattern in your life. There's a pattern in my life. And, and, and don't, don't commit to the person before you look at the process of their, of their lives and the patterns in their lives. And get some vision for who you want to be. Get some vision for the marriage that you want to have. And get some vision for the relationship you want to be in before you jump in with both feet to that relationship. Before you jump in, and, and maybe, maybe you're here today and you say, well, what do we do? I've been married 10 years, 20 years, 15 years, 10 weeks, 3 months. What do we do now? Get some vision now. It's always the right time to start with vision in your life. You can, put, you can put a dying thing on life support and we can bring it back. When you don't have any vision at all, it will die there, everybody. You may stay married, but there, this, this thing isn't vibrant anymore. It's not, it's not life-giving anymore. But we can hook it up to a little life support of God's Word, everybody, the power and presence of God, and we can bring it back to life. You don't have to give up on what it's on right now. Get some vision for it. Prepare some things in your life. Don't just promise some things in your life. Prepare some things. So the next four weeks, and I know week one of a brand new series is always kind of foundational, and, and, and I hope that you will allow me that uh, this particular week. But, but I, want, I want you to understand how important it is to have some relationship goals in your life. And over the next four weeks, I'm going to give you four goals I think every relationship needs to have. I think these four goals, it doesn't matter really what stage you're in in a relationship, dating, single, 
engaged, single again, divorced, separated, married, wherever you are and all of that. This is the goal that I want you to have. And I want you to prepare your life around these goals. Don't just promise your life. So all the religious people, all the churchy people, look at me in the eyes. The next four weeks are going to be note-taking weeks. And you may not get a single goosebump up your arm and down your leg. But if you'll prepare the goals I'm going to give you, you could have a marriage that outlasts everybody else in the office. You can outlast. If your parents broke up and you come from a broken marriage, you say, well, maybe this is just what it's always going to be. It doesn't have to be this way. Can I get a better amen, everybody? It doesn't have to be that way. Let me give you the first one. Write this in your notes. This is the first relationship goal. I want every relationship in this church. I want my marriage. I want your marriage to be, write this down, Christ-centered. Write it just like that. It is the foundation of every lasting relationship. Is a Christ-centered relationship. Not a Christian relationship. Not just marrying a Christian is enough. Let me, let me, let me help you on this. <clears throat> it's not just enough to say, well, they're Christian. We were raised the same way. We, we both share Christian faith, or we both were raised in the church, or we both attend the church, or we both serve at the church. That's not enough. You, I want, we, we need our relationships to be Christ-centered, and that's different than Christian in name only. Christ-centered relationship. The first thing you got to realize, and, and, and I know you're asking, well, what does it mean to be Christ-centered? Like what is it, like what, what's the, what, you know, if it's not just Christian and doing the stuff I think I know what Christian is, what does it mean to be Christian? I'm glad you asked. Here's the first thing i got to tell you, though, is you have to realize that every relationship has a center. Let me say it better this way. Everything in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship is centered around something. And there are some marriages, relationships, wherever you are in that, that are centered around yourself, what I want. Well, I like this, and I like that, and I like watching Netflix, and I like this show on TV, and I like to eat dinner at this time, and I like to go to bed at this time, and this is what I want. And I Now, I got married, but I want to do it my way. It would be best if you just look straight ahead during these messages. I know I said I'm, I'm here for you, but I have a schedule I keep. I do what I want to do. Here's one of the other things about people getting married later in their lives is you develop a routine and you believe your routine is religion and not routine. So, so you start living your whole life around I. Well, we got to do it my way. I, 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 I. And your, your, your whole relationship starts revolving around yourself. What I want, my desires, my need, what, what, what I think will happen. Or, let me give you another one. That, that some people center their whole relationships around their kids. Now, this is going to hurt, but I'm going to be frank with you. God did not design your marriage to be centered around your children. I'm going to keep preaching it until you live this. God did not give you children so your life took an 18-year pause and put them at the very center. Whenever I don't know, they just like, oh, they have to go to bed at 6 o'clock. It's 6 o'clock. We have to go. This is the way they have to do. They only eat chicken nuggets. So we, for the last 18 years, we've only gone to chicken nugget restaurants. That's just all we do. We just can't go anywhere else. They will not eat anything else than chicken nuggets. Look at me. Your kids won't starve. Come on, somebody. Take them to a Chinese restaurant, and if they won't eat, get them something at home, everybody. But every once in a while, just go somewhere without chicken nuggets. Am I helping you? 
Brandy and I decided when we got, we don't do it all right. I'm, again, I'm not telling you I'm an authority on it. I'm not telling you I've raised kids completely. I'm not telling you I've got all the answers. I am telling you this. In about 12 years, those little jokers are going to leave me. And they're going to leave you. And if your whole life is centered around them, their schedules, their wants, their desires, how they live, how they sleep, how they eat, how they act, when they go, if, if everything in your marriage is about them, when they're gone, you'll look at a stranger in your bed and your marriage will start to suffer because I centered it around them instead of it around us. God gave you your spouse before He gave you your kids. They are arrows in your hand. In other words, you're going to let them go one day, everybody. You're going to shoot them into the future and pray they don't move back home. But she's going to stay. He's going to stay. I've met relationships centered around kids and around the kids' schedule. It just, and the marriage is suffering because we've centered it around this. Some people center it around their lifestyle. You know, we have to have this certain lifestyle. It's got to, uh, it's, we center it around image, you know, that, and that, that's that. I, I, I got to be honest. That's that Instagram generation that we we've we've posed and created these scenes that we want everybody to think we have, and so we've centered our whole lives around the image that we want you to believe about us. And then about two layers deep, when you finally learn about somebody, you realize nothing that you saw is really who they are, right? So, so you see this certain thing, you see, you know, the, I always say you see them in Target shopping and they all pose there and it's so and then, and then you, but you find them in their diapers and, and green beans stuck on their clothes in Walmart. Come on, somebody. Because we want everybody to believe one thing, but we actually live this other thing. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Dating is the exact same way. We, you have this image that you center your whole life around and you curate your life around this image. We even have a word for it. They're called Instagram husbands and Instagram boyfriends. Keep looking straight ahead. Which means your job is to curate what we want the world to believe about us. Guys, I got to be honest with you. That's fine. It's cute. Maybe I just don't understand it, but I got to tell you, that stuff isn't real and it doesn't last. And it will bring you closer to destruction than just saying, I, I got to center around something other than our image and what we just tell everybody and how we make it look. I don't want you to be Christians in image only. I want it to be real. You don't have to post one post of your Bible study. I just want you studying God's Word. I just want it real in your life. Are you still there? Say amen. amen. So you could center it around yourself, your kids, your lifestyle, your image. The idea of relationship goals is... I unintentionally sort of, I, you have this, you have this unintentional myth I like to call the one. Write that in your notes, the one myth, the one myth. The one, like she's the one, he's the one, they're the one, they're the one. This is my, we say it better this way, we do it like, they're my person. God didn't create you for a person. God created you for himself. You are his person and he is your God. That's it, everybody. That's, that's the relationship you were created for. Well, they're my person. These are my people. This is my thing. And you'll, you'll start, you'll unintentionally develop what I call the one myth. She's the one. He's the one. I'll be happy. I'll have a fulfilled life when I find the one. 
when I when I get, when I marry the one when I when I finally get that that and then and, and even married folks the reason I you know left her is because she wasn't the one but at the gym I found the one <laughs> the one it just happened to be in my office walking by my desk every day isn't that amazing how God works just the one the one I just I found this is the one and it completes me and and I got I got it I got to stop in the in this first relationship goal and tell you that isn't living Christ centered that isn't saying God God you're you're first in a Christ write it like this in a Christ centered relationship write this down Jesus is your one and your spouse is your two in in a Christ centered relationship Jesus is my one and my partner my spouse is my two. And if you're in a relationship dating folks, let me tell you something. If you're in a relationship and you're dating today and 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 that 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 person is upset, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one, get out of that. Cuz if you're the one, there're going to come a time when you stop being the one and they'll look for another one. Cuz Jesus has to be my one. God and his presence and his spirit and my relationship with him has to be my number one and then you are my number two let me let me let me say it let me say it like this god is my number i love brandy with all of my heart and soul more slightly more than i love my children i love my children more than i love you a lot more than i love you but the order of my life is not Brandy, Hazel, Henry, and God on Sundays. The order of my life is if this doesn't work, if she goes to heaven before me, God forbid whatever may happen here, God is my number one. And because God is my number one, I serve her better as my number two. In a Christ-centered relationship, not a Christian one, not a where we're Christians and we serve together and we go to church together, not, not a we're Christian in name only. We've been married and we like to sit together and hold hands when we read the Bible. <laughs> in a Christ-centered relationship, Jesus is my number one and my spouse is my number two. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 22. Teacher, they asked him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Man, this is going to be big. What's the biggest, best one? What's the greatest one? If I can only do one, if you could sum it all up, what is it? Jesus said, love the Lord your God, not your spouse, not your partner, not your significant other, not your boo. Love God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. And everything else you want in a relationship with people has to follow. It is just on the other side of your relationship with God. And you can't expect your relationship with them to be whole and holy if your relationship with God is fractured and disabled. You have to get Jesus first and then this person is my number two. I focus my attention, my time, my affection my love, my energy, my effort on building this relationship so that I have the power to stay in this relationship. Say amen to that, everybody. Does that mean that God doesn't want me to have a happy relationship? Nope, just the opposite. Matthew 6.33 says, But if you'll seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then everything you want out of a marriage will follow. All these things will be given to you as well. I love the as well. In other words, it's not either or. Well, I either get God or I get her. No. If I get God, God gives me a, 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 an amazing marriage as a bonus. 
if I get if I put God in his rightful place, if I put Jesus at the center, if we're a Christ-centered relationship, then everything else seems to fall into line. It's it's actually it's it's the law of divine order in scripture. It's it's whatever goes in first determines order and capacity for whatever's next. And so if I put God in first, it's amazing what happens in every other relationship that I want in my life. Are you still awake? Say amen. We're almost done. Everybody who's not married here yet, let me, let me help you out with this real quick. All the single people, you're not married or maybe you're divorced or maybe you're thinking about getting married again. If you want a Christ-centered married, a marriage in the future, you need to live a Christ-centered life today. Let me say it better. If you, if you cannot promise your way into Christ-centeredness, you have to prepare your way into it. You got to prepare your life now. You, I, when I get married, we're going to get involved. I, we just like to serve together, you know. We're, I'm gonna wait on her to go through growth track. We're just we're gonna pray about it together. I'm a, people who pray about spiritual things are, are funny to me. You don't have to pray about giving, serving, tithing, joining the church, getting planted. All that's in the Bible. You don't have to pray about anything that God instructs you to do. You know what I mean? I've never had to pray about killing somebody, Scott. Never. I don't know, man. I really want to kill that dude, but let me pray about it. Just see what God says. <laughs> Thou shalt not kill doesn't require my prayer. Can I get a better amen, everybody? <laughs> There's some spiritual practice. You don't have to. Well, when we get married, we're going to do it. When, I, I, I'll get involved with church. I'll, I, I'll di- I hope we don't have young years. I'll deal with my porn addiction later when I, when I get married, but it's okay now because I'm single. And if the pattern of your life now is that, it'll be, the, it'll be the pattern inside of relationships. I'll get serious about serving God when we're together. But now I want to have fun. I want to do my thing. I want to do, I want to do what I want to do. I want to, you know, I'm building sort of my thing, and then I'll, I'll get it together over there. No, no, no. If you're not living Christ-centered now, you won't have a Christ-centered relationship there. Write it down like this. You do not build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. You don't, you don't build a life of righteousness in the future on a foundation of sin today. 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, if you're single in the room today, you cannot expect righteousness to just show up in a marriage if you're building it on a foundation of sin. You've got to prepare your way to it. So how can we be Christ-centered? Come play Roy so they think I'm done. How can, how can you be Christ-centered? And, I, and I, I, really, I really wrestled with this, and I prayed about this. And I, I mean, I, I do every week, but I really ask God. You know, in series like this, I want to give you some practical steps. I want to give you some application. Uh, again, I want this church to be powerful and presence-driven, but I, I want it to help you on Monday. Because if it doesn't work on Monday, it, then, then it was just confined to this weekend, and that's not really life-changing. So... I said, God, give me some practical ways. And, and honestly, after 20 years of marriage and, and ministry together, I could give you 100. I like to give you three steps, you know. I, I, that's just the way my brain works. I like to give you, if you'll do, you know, one, two, three, that it all work out. Uh, Justin, that's just the way I, I think. And, and so I really did think about, you know, how do I, what I well, here's some, you know, submit to one another. That's a good one. And forgive one another. That'll make it Christ-centered. You're, you're, you're like Jesus when you forgive. Honor one another. I'm bringing honor. Matter of fact, this, this summer I'm preaching about honor. We're going, we're going to have an honor culture. And I could talk about honoring in, in, in your relationships. And we could talk about respect. And, and 
how important it is, and especially with your, with your spouse, with your man, with your husband. It's important they feel respected. And I could tell you about that. And I could talk about church, my favorite thing to talk about, about how important it is to be in church together. And I could talk about serving together. You're never more like Christ than when you serve other people. I could talk about how important it is to get in a small group, a marriage small group, a freedom small group, and help yourself. I could talk about reading the Bible together. I could ask you a hundred things to do to be Christ-centered. And I honestly felt like if I give you three, you're going to do zero. So I'm going to give you one. And I'm asking you to do this one. The, the one. the one application today, if you're in a relationship, married or dating, or if you're single, I'm asking you to prepare for to live the life that you want. Write this down. I want you to pray together every day. The one app, how do we get Christ-centered? What do we do? We, we're kind of off path. You know, we've been married 15 years and things have just been crazy. We've had two kids and, and, and money's tight and, and, and the job is stressful and our health is not the best and, and there's just so much stress and so much worry and so much anxiety and so, there's so many moving parts now. What do we... How do we get back to Christ-centeredness? And I could tell all those things are important. Forgiveness and respect and honor and love. And, and, but it's really true. I know, it's a, I know it's, a, it's a funny adage, but it's really true that the couples that pray together stay together. You know why? Because as awkward as it feels, as much as you fight and yell and cuss, kiss and make up, that's the best part. In-laws and raising kids as wild as drunk squirrels. and <laughs> It's really hard to do all of that. It's hard to fight. It's hard to look at porn. It's hard to hate when you're praying. Matter of fact, I'll say it this way. It's almost impossible to hate someone you pray for. It's, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible when you pray together for you to leave that, that time. Not, not, a, not, not an hour. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be five minutes. But it's hard to leave that time and then go click on something you know you shouldn't. Dishonor your spouse. The intimacy of your relationship. It's hard to fight. It's, 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 it's hard to fight when you're praying. What if in the middle of your next... Intense discussions. That's what Brandon and I have. That's preacher language for fights. What if in the middle of it you just said, well, it's prayer time, so we got to wrap this up because we got to pray. And I can't pray for you while I just called you a big dummy. So forgive me for calling you a big dummy. And let's pray. You're more likely to go to church together if you'll pray together every day. You're more likely to be mission-minded. I'm going to preach next week about being mission-minded. You're more likely to serve together, serve God together, get on the same page together if you'll pray together. You're more likely to be devil kicking. The third week, I'm going I'm to preach about, I didn't know how else to call it, just devil kicking. I just want you to be a devil kicking couple in Jesus' name. You're more likely to do that if you'll pray together. You're more likely to keep the covenant you made with God if you'll pray together every day. So how do we do it? I'm glad you asked. Brandy, join me on the stage. Three, three ways. I did give you three ways. I couldn't get away from it, Justin. I, get, I gave you three ways to pray together. Number one, write these down quickly. Keep it short. 
Keep it short. You don't have to pray for an hour. You don't have to pray for 30 minutes. You don't have to pray in tongues. You don't have to pray Hebrew scriptures. You don't have to wear your prayer shawl. I'm trying to get all the spiritual people. You just got to pray together every day. Keep it consistent. Pray every day. Pray at the same time every day. Pray. You, you just start at your meals. You know, well, Pastor, that doesn't seem very spiritual. Yeah, so says the people who don't sleep in the same bedroom. So just keep it consistent. Just, just keep it short. Keep it consistent. And if you miss a day, don't miss two. If you miss a day, don't miss two. And it looks just like this. It looks just like hands together and your eyes closed and you say, God, we need help. God, I pray for Brandy today and the things she's going to face that I don't know anything about, the struggles she has internally and in her mind and with our children. God, give her wisdom to do what you've called her to do. God, give me the grace to change some stuff in my life that has to change so I can serve her better, love her better, be the husband you want me to be. God, help us. We're raising kids in a culture that seems like it's going crazy. God, we got decisions to make about school and how we raise godly kids, and we need help for that. So I pray for Brandy, and God, encourage her as she leads Hazel and Henry. Make good decisions. Help me to support that and support her. God, I pray for joy to come to her. Give her rest at night and joy to be restored. I pray against fear that would attack her. And God, I'm just asking you to help our marriage. God, I, I, I don't pretend to know we do it right so I need help today to do it better I surrender to you and whatever you want me to be and a husband for her in Jesus name and you pray together every day every day stand to your feet now you take somebody by the hand if you're single today I want you to do today what you want to do then I want you to prepare today for who you want to be then. Take your spouse by the hand. If you're in a dating relationship, you came to church with somebody you're in a relationship with. And I want you to bow your heads and I want you to pray together. I want you to pray together. It doesn't have to sound like what I prayed. It doesn't have to sound like me. It just has to sound like you. Bow your heads and pray something like this. Jesus, I, here we are again. And this is my spouse and my husband, my wife. And God, we need you today. God, we need you in our relationship. I recognize that um, I got some failures and some problems. And God, I recognize that I, I don't do everything just right. And uh, it's possible that I've, I've failed her or I failed him. So God, I'm just asking you to help us. God, I pray for single people in the room. God, I, I pray as they prepare today to be Christ-centered. God, give them the courage to just keep God at the center of their lives. Trust that if Jesus is my number one, that you'll bring me my number two. You'll bring the person I'm supposed to be with. God, I just trust you for that. Come on, I want you to pray out loud. Every couple, every, every person in the room, pray together. Just God, touch my husband today. And God, there's some stuff he's carrying at work that I don't know anything about. And God, there's stuff my wife is carrying. I, I'm not, I, I, don't, I don't pretend to understand how tough and difficult her decisions are. And so, God, I'm just asking you to help me to be who you want me to be. God, we put you back in the center of our relationship. Come on. Single people, God, I put you in the center of my life now. I trust you for what's next. 
I trust you for who you have for me. I trust you that you've got a plan in my life. I trust you, God, that you're going to bring the person into my life when the time is right, when I'm right. But I'm not waiting to become somebody. God, I'm going to be that person now. I'm going to put you at the center of my life right now. God, I repent. Come on, couples. I repent for putting other things in the center of our lives. Money and image and our kids and myself. And God, I just I, I, want, to, I want you to be in the center of our home, the center of our life, the center of our relationship, that God, nothing else takes precedence over you. God, nothing else, no, this person doesn't complete me. God, you, I'm whole in you. I'm complete in you. God, I'm valued in you. God, my life is found in you. In you, I live and move and have my being. God, I thank you that you're the center of my life. I put you there today in Jesus' name. And everybody shout amen. Come on, do you receive the word of the Lord today?